I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is Aaron McHugh. Hi, welcome. Hi, Janine. Thanks for having me. So fun. You know, you had shared a story with me on my other show, and I thought, oh, I'd love to have you as a guest on Get the Funk Out, because I love when people share stories that could possibly give some insight, some little tidbit of knowledge to people going through something. Um, do you want to elaborate a little? Yeah, and tell me which which story do you remember that was that was the bullseye for you? Well, you had a professional situation with work that yep. was one, and I think you had a personal story yep. of um, I think something your wife went through. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'll start with this morning. I was reading an article in the New York Times. And it was talking about resilience and so often that the resilient story, the resilient muscle we think is like something that someone else has it, you know, someone else must've got a gene or some mm -hmm. DNA or a lucky break. I don't know what it is. Right. And basically the, the synopsis of the story was that resilience is when we find ourselves in something in our history and we find a way to grow through it. And then we're able to then re-anchor that again when we find ourselves, you know, whether we lose a job or something happens in our personal life or our health. So for me, um, I realized that actually my resilience in the last really 10 years has really, um, my muscles gotten really strong. So um, five years ago, I found myself in a professional burnout and my resting pulse was 92 beats per minute sitting still in a chair and I'm a runner. So normally it's like 58. My, I was on depression meds. I was on sleep meds. I was on anxiety meds and I had run out of medications. There wasn't a medication for, I don't know how to live and I don't know how to feel better. And what had led up to that was in 2011, which is almost nine and a half years ago. Now our middle daughter had passed away. And she had spent her whole life with uh, cerebral palsy and a long, long list resume of things that were a result of not having all of her equipment. So she was born without all of her brain. Okay. And so we, we kept her alive for 12 years and we tube fed her and helped her with her seizures and changed her diapers and loved her really well. And as a result of being married and having a career and two other kids, one older, one younger, our house was like a constant pressure cooker of stress. So every morning we would wake up and we'd wonder if she was alive. And every day I'd go to work and try and make a revenue number. I was in charge of revenue and sales and worked in startup environments quite a bit. So my life was just kind of an endless campaign for survival. Gosh. And yeah, really just didn't. Heavy. Really yeah, super heavy all the time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just found myself in a place where it was like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm not sure how to keep going. Mm -hmm. And the way I was living my life, unbeknownst to me, because the circumstances were so hard. I think a lot of times what happens for us is that something circumstantially happens that's legitimate. And that's a reason for us to feel the way we do and depressed or anxious or right. despairing or whatever it is. And then I think what, however, what got camouflaged for me, Janine, was that the way I was living was actually contributing to it also. 
And that was always out of my view because the big things were so big, I could point to them and say, look, see this, these things are happening. So of course I feel terrible. Mm -hmm. But what, what was really helpful is when I actually slowed down, I was able to take a look at, well, how am I engaging my circumstances? What do I believe to be true? How am I showing up? How am I tending and caring for myself? And yeah, a lot of those answers were troublesome. Right. But like you're not caring for yourself. Yeah, well, and I'll just take this little pill and hopefully my emotional pain will go away. Yeah. 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 Yes. So there's the intro. Wow. I didn't, I didn't know this whole story. I, I only knew a very small part of you. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thanks. So, oh my gosh. And I don't know how you kept everything together, all the, and maybe you didn't, maybe everything seemed like it was kind of falling apart relationship wise and the synergy in the house. I mean, no, it was actually like, for me, honestly, it was the opposite of, I had spent my life as an endurance athlete. And so what I learned to do out on race courses or climbing mountains or different things, the story that I told myself in life and in sport was I can handle it. Mm. I can take it. Now that story got installed in me long, long before I ever had a family and long before I ever decided to be an endurance athlete. Interesting. And where'd it come yeah. from? Where'd that story come from? Yeah. So when I was 12, my dad left, my parents um, broke up and there was a guy who came over to our house and he was really well-intended and wonderful and put his arm around me one day and said, now it's up to you. Um, you know, you're the man of the house. And so what happened over time was that I was oldest of three. I was 12 ish at the time. And I think that story just got distorted as it does for many of us. Was that a stepdad? Who was that? No, it was just a family friend. He was just oh. overdoing some like handyman work. Oh, so he wasn't even like intending to put anything heavy on yeah. me. That was now, a granted, weight. probably, probably not the best thing to say no. to a 12 year old. No. But back then, you know, I don't know, 1980 something, yeah. you know, it wouldn't have been that uncommon. Okay. So he wasn't like well in um, bad intentions. No. The challenge is like for many of us, when those stories, those template base, I call them like operating system. Mm -hmm. Some part of our operating system gets shaped by a story that we then rehearse and replay over and over. So as I rehearsed and replayed that story over and over, what it sounded like distorted over time was no helps coming. You're on your own and this is up to you. And so what happened as I played that out in my life and my career and my family, I was just a hamster in a wheel. Mm -hmm. And like for most of us, most of those stories serve us really, really well for a really long time sure. until they don't. Yeah. And then you start finding yourself where there's like cracks in the foundation of how you're experiencing your life, your work relationships. And I found myself having to ask different questions. Like what is actually, is this story true? How have I taken that too far? How is that a strength that's now overplayed and now it's become a liability of me, of my, of my operating system. Excuse so me, I how did you gain this insight? Was this therapy? Uh, Was this? Everything. Everything. Um, okay. Yeah. And the other thing I read in that article this morning um, from New York Times was about our community that we live in is, is a big indicator of our resilience. So I definitely had 
a great group of friends. My wife was very supportive. My community of, um, of spiritual practice was really supportive. So what I really did was I called a friend of mine who was a, a therapist, had a conversation with him. And what he asked me was, he said, so basically you thought you could outrun this. Mm. Boom. <laughs> and it was right before Thanksgiving. It was probably about six years ago. And I said, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. And he said, you, what you're actually experiencing is that Hold you've on. attempted to, okay. yeah, go ahead. I lost you for a second. What you're actually experiencing is, so if you want to just start. Yeah, to replay that. So what my friend uh, or therapist, I guess, became friend had gone on to say was what you're actually experiencing is you've compartmentalized your life for as long as you can remember. And you've taken each individual hardship, put it in its own box and -hmm. refused to view it as a theme of the continuation of all this hardship you've been through mm. and what you're scared to death with, about is actually staring it in the face and owning the fact that your life's been hard. And I was like, Whoa, yeah, that. Did you think also life... you weren't allowed to admit life is hard and feel certain feelings? For sure. Yeah. Because yeah. that was the, again, my um, role that mm-hmm. I elected myself to play. Yeah. And so yeah. in my family system and my marriage and my career, I was the guy who could handle it. Like Mm -hmm. it didn't matter how bad it got, I could do it. So the idea of leaving that role and actually being someone who could admit I couldn't handle it, I couldn't take it, I couldn't do it. That was a fun, that was a huge shift for me. So that was the breakdown. So there's a Jerry Maguire um, scene where he uh, does handstands in in his hotel room. Yes. And in the, in the narrative, it says, was it his breakthrough or a breakdown? Mm. And in his case, it was his breakthrough. So my breakdown became my breakthrough. Mm. It sure was. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. And what I would say too, that I learned in that process, Janine was, I listened to this guy's podcast once I was actually getting a massage from a massage therapist and she and I both loved listening to this guy. And so we would listen to it while I'm getting a massage. Mm -hmm. And what he talked about was the difference between surviving and thriving. And what he said was so many people, it's so admirable to be able to survive hardship, to be able to survive setbacks. And what is very different though, is that people who actually find a way to to thrive in spite of those setbacks and hardships. And so it kind of did an inventory of like, who do I know that I would say is actually thriving? They've had this major life upset, this major setback, this major thing and they're actually thriving so i had this friend who like raised 110 million dollars and was on like cbs morning news and was a big deal in the tech industry but i noticed like oh he's not he lost it all really went away yeah all went away and they ended up like liquidating the company and i'm like well okay is he thriving no he's not thriving he survived Mm -hmm. okay i have this other friend who had cancer and like He's, yeah, he's in remission, but is he threat? No, he's not threat. Well, then I, and it kind of went through the inventory of like, who do I know is thriving? Mm-hmm. And what this podcast has talked about at the time, this is, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, is like, what would it look like to go through it 
to give room and space to your mind, body, soul to feel the weight of yeah. the loss. Yes. And actually give it space, give it voice. Like, and I, truthfully, I was petrified of that because I thought if I actually gave room and in me to feel all that I had backlogged, yes, I really, I thought I would ruin me. I thought, I thought I would you would crumble it. to pieces and never pick yourself back up. So you felt it too. Oh yes. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I did. And so I found it really challenging to actually give it room and space, but it became the, it's like, you got to go through it in to order to, stuff. yeah, to go beyond. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's yeah. the, uh, the hero's journey, you know, mm -hmm. of, of you have to go down and face the dragons in the right. deep places. And as a result, then you can discover what is the thing that's actually in the way mm -hmm. that's holding me back. So it was cool in that podcast, he told stories about a guy who lost everything and financially and um, lost a marriage, lost all kinds of stuff. But he experienced him on the thriving side of the story. And then only later went and got the backstory of like, what's the deal with this guy? And his buddy who, who introduced him said, oh, that guy lost everything. And he's like, how? How did that guy who's like full of joy, adventure, zeal, mm -hmm. zest, curiosity, mm -hmm. how did that guy get here? And that was the, the framing of the story. So I, I think for me, what I've just discovered is, yeah, the way forward is the way through. Mm -hmm. And that it's worth it. Definitely. I mean, I've always felt like sometimes you have to fall apart to put yourself back together in a better form. Yeah. You know? Well said. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think the other thing that I learned in that and I'm learning is by releasing outcomes. I've been very driven to conquest, like achievements, mm -hmm. you know, get to the top of this mountain figuratively or literally. And what I discovered was like part of that was actually driving a lot of my um, feeling overwhelmed and anxious because I never allowed myself a break. I never allowed myself rest. So I remember we went to Hawaii and I took like three weeks off of work, which is a really big deal. I'd never done something like that at all. And I couldn't wait to get to Hawaii. And I had all these dreams of like hammocks and naps, books I was going to read. And I drug all these books. I never read any of them. <laughs> Good. I thought we'd go on. I thought we'd go on this like uh, sunset walks. My wife and I. And we mm -hmm. went on a couple of them. Mm -hmm. um, but when I got back from Hawaii, this buddy of mine asked me, he "Goes, hey, how did it go?" And I was like, basically, it turns out the problem with vacation is that I went with me. So I'm the same driven, over caffeinated, <laughs> overstimulated person who refuses to rest. But I thought and believed if I go to Hawaii in a restful place, mm -hmm. I will become a restful person. I had to learn in my real life, how do I become a person who values rest? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a fundamentally different question yes. than how do I just get a break? I had to value and prioritize my own health, wellness, well-being and say, no, I'm worth taking better care of than the way I am doing this. Right. I'm worth, I'm the asset of this story. What am I doing treating myself so poorly? 
So that's been a long practice of, you know, 10 years now where I'm actually a person who rests. That's good. Yeah. I feel like when you rest, you definitely can recharge and be a better person. Absolutely. And, and what I care about is I care about this. I use this phrase a lot about how do you keep going? Like, how do you actually go the distance? How do you, um, in our life, in the, my podcast is called work life play and it's in work and in life and in play and relationships and finances, like health, how do we go the distance? And, and to me, I don't want to end up just white knuckling my way, surviving it. I want to thrive in a way that's in a sustainable way of, yes. I would call like the art of living. Mm-hmm. How do I learn to live in sustainable practices and make choices that actually enable me to go the distance with joy and purpose and meaning and intimacy and connection, like the stuff that everybody's after anyway. Yes. But how do I do that every day? Like, how do I build that into my life? So before I got on this podcast, I took a 17 minute nap. Good. And yeah, it was great. It was in the closet with the lights out because the house is full of kids. Like, um, it's perfect. It is. It was great. So I don't even know if I really fell asleep, but I recharged my battery. Definitely. So that I can then show up, you know, I call it with like gusto and and zeal. Mm -hmm. So to me, like, it's like, how do I make these micro choices always? And for our friends that are listening, watching, I would just encourage you that whatever you find yourself in, whatever the story and the circumstances and whatever hardship, whatever setback, whatever disappointment, that it does start with just giving it room. Just honor, as this buddy of mine called it, honoring the immensities of our life. Yes. And that, and that it isn't a stopping place. We don't stay there, but we do give it honor and room so that we can, another friend calls it naming the unconscious. Like we're going to name the unconscious thing that is going to hold us back if we don't so that we can move on and forward. Because if we just pretend that we can take it right. or it didn't happen or it's not that big of a deal and we just keep going, well, then we just, I find that so many people I've encountered operate with a limp, you know, they're, they're not really, yeah, they're alive, but they're not thriving and they look, you can just tell they're, they're uh, worse for the wear Yes. versus the few who actually, in spite of the colossal setbacks and hardships find a way to move forward and for me part of that has been a deep spiritual life that i've had for my whole life it's great but really just finding that um yeah i don't have to do this alone i have a quick question back to your vacation mode yeah. are you the kind of person that when you go away you like everything to be planned we're going to go on a hike this day we're going to go on a horseback riding this that and the other thing and plan 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 is your wife oh. like that I was, I was, uh, yeah, I used to have spreadsheets back in the Come day. Come on, really? Yeah, early on. Yeah, kind of like, well, you know, here's the day one, maybe not every day, but okay. yes, I, was, uh, I wouldn't call it rigid, but over-programmed. Yes. Um, who I am today is emergent. So I go on vacation with oftentimes half of the hotels are booked and half of them are not. So we go to a place, we'll allow it to emerge, Mm -hmm. but don't do reservations. So I just went on a backpacking trip slash fishing trip with my brother recently. Fun. And we were fly fishing here in Colorado 
and we had no reservations of any kind for like five days and just allowed the whole thing to emerge. That's and good. Very organic. Yeah, super. It's way more. I've, enough of my life is programmed. I attempt to leave vacation for emergent as much as possible. Right. Well, plus we're in a quarantine, so I'm sure there were plenty of hotel rooms. <laughs> there were, well, and we were, uh, we called dirt bag camping. So we were just yeah. pulled off from the side of the national forest somewhere. So even better. Perfect. No one's going to bother you. <laughs> no. No. Oh my gosh. That's funny. Tell me about your book. Yeah. So I wrote this book. It's called fire your boss discovering work you love without quitting your job and another emergent story 15 years ago or so I was on a bike ride with a friend and out of a lot of career frustration of feeling stuck underappreciated um, really just kind of beholden Mm -hmm. I leaned over to him and said I'm gonna fire my boss and he laughed and I'm like no I'm serious like I'm going to find a way. Now at the time in the beginning, it was very angst driven and frustration driven. Um, so as I've incubated and marinated in that story, what I've learned is, Oh, actually what I was trying to say then is how do I become the kind of person who can thrive in any and all situations? How do I become the kind of person who can produce and create value in any and all workplaces, regardless of leadership? How do I become the kind of person who can be engaged, irregardless if my boss, my career, my company is inspiring? Because remember, I would hear lots of people say things like, thank God it's Friday, or hump day, or Mm -hmm. don't work too much. And then I would see like statistics from Gallup poll. And they would come out every year and say, well, two thirds of the American workforce is, is disengaged and only a third actually shows up and enjoys going to work. And then globally it's worse. So to me, I looked at more at a human level, like Mm -hmm. our fellow humans, me, you, everyone around us, this is intolerable for me to stand by and allow us all that 70% of our adult life spent at work is actually a drag. It's terrible. Yeah. So to me, it was like, how do we, how do I find a way out of this? Mm -hmm. And then once I found a way out of this, then I discovered, okay, great. Now how do I broaden this so that I can invite others along? So I guess I view myself in the book as a guide of the, this kind of narrow path of discovering that happiness is an inside job and how do you architect a career. So that said, a lot of people presume it's an entrepreneurial book of like, Oh, you quit your job. Like, no, that's actually why it says discover work you, you love without quitting Quitting your job, job. stay where you are Mm -hmm. in the job that you have right now, but start the revolution where you are. And for most people that's so jarring at first of like, hold on, you don't understand who I work for, where I work, what I do, or you don't understand how little authority I have or how much impact I can't see. No, no, I know all that. I've done that too. I've worked that place too. Mm -hmm. But in spite of all that, start where you are. Yeah. And then I show through the book of how do we actually move from fear to freedom? How do we move from blame to accountability? How do we move from powerless to empowered? How do we move from compartmentalized to wholehearted? 
and learn to lead ourselves in such a way we're back to that original premise of we can create value wherever we are. So what I found is I've been through 10, yeah, 10 mergers and acquisitions throughout my career. And every single time we'd have a new owner of new private equity group, a new, whatever it was. And every time they were asking the question is they were scanning the room to say, who produces value here? Who's the person who's reliably, sustainably resilient and is always producing and creating value. Well, that's a very different person than the person who's folding their arms, disempowered, disengaged. Right. So I just found it was like self-fulfilling prophecy is there's so much of, again, what I've experienced in my personal life, professional life that then I bring to life in this book so that you can, in the end, actually fire your boss. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's perfect. Fun. Very insightful. Yeah. Thanks. And you so gave a lot of talks too. I was checking out your website. Yeah. Yeah. And I love like even just this, like how do you take the next step in front of you? So often people, a lot of things I talk about is um, how do you run micro experiments in your life? So I did this drawing once where it was like, okay, X marks the spot where I stand today, but pick anything, you know, pick a diet, pick a, you know, income level, pick a relationship, pick a career path. And then there's an X over here where you wish you, you were, and there's a gap between the two. Mm-hmm. And so often we, we feel tension and pain over how big a gap it is. You know, if only, if I could only get to this place, well then, and I found myself saying that a lot. Well, you know, when I make this kind of money or when I have this kind of, well, then I will. And what I found is that actually the people who close the gap between where I am today and where I want to be mm-hmm. are the people who do the thing that's right in front of them. Yeah. And so it's like, for me, again, back to athletics of like climbing a mountain, how you climb a mountain is you take the next step mm-hmm. because they're so big and they're so far away. So often they're so steep or challenging mm-hmm. that if you, if you eliminate yourself before you even leave the parking lot because of how steep and long and difficult this will be, well, then you'll never be a person who climbs mountains. So yeah. I've found like, oh, I can link these two. This is the same in my life as it is out on a race course or a climbing a mountain. And so what I teach a lot of people how to do is how do you take the next step? And a lot of that oftentimes is in the mindsets and beliefs that we hold. Definitely. And what is it that we tell ourselves to be true? You know, what's the narrative I rehearse every day? And I just found there's a lot more empowering ways. Um, And a lot of it starts with just experimenting, trying tiny things. Mm -hmm. Um, Today, I haven't looked, I have to look exactly what day I think today is I'm 107 days in a row of running. Whoa, that, that's great. Yeah, it was like my little tiny thing of like during all this COVID pandemic stuff of what's the small thing I can do? Good. I can run one mile. I've been a runner forever, but like very fragmented, you know, what yeah. days I do what. So I'm like, no, I know the tiny thing I can do. It's like 10, 12 minutes, eight minutes on a good day. Perfect. I'm going to run a mile. And so it's like, how do you help? unlock that for other people is where I spent a lot of my time. Yeah. I know. Cause a lot of people, especially with the time we're in, they they'll say, well, I, I haven't walked. I haven't exercised. I'm baking too much. I'm eating too much, but you have to start by just taking a small step. That one little small step can yeah. then be contagious to take the next step. And I call it like brushing your teeth. If yeah. you can get these routines, like for me, I walk seven days a week. Oh, nice. I used to run, but I actually herniated my back. 
I had to have surgery. So I decided not to really run the way I was running. Yes. But just the fact walking for an hour every day. Oh, nice. I see, I see so many people that are so much older than me and they're out there every day and then we're all, hi, how are you? And it's just <laughs> so uplifting. But that act of doing that every day, like brushing my teeth is huge. That's great. Well, well done. Nice yeah. job. Yeah. You have some wonderful places to walk there too. One of my favorite is the back bay. Oh yeah. I used to live there. Uh, there was an apartment, Bay Point Apartments, right across from the Back Bay. I love that place. So where can people find out more about you? Yeah, all my work is at AaronMcHugh.com. There's the podcast there, book links, and uh, just put up a book trailer that's really fun. It's like a little two-minute video, but it's real, cool. yeah, from a talk that I gave as the backdrop and some amazing imagery. That's really fun. Yeah, and then you'll find my writing. I started writing an accidental blog in 2011, I think was my first one I put up. And I like that. Yeah, fast forward all these years and I'm still going. That's excellent. So let me spell your last name for people. It's M-C-H-U-G-H. And this has been great. I always learn something else about you when I talk to you. So thank yeah, you so much. Thanks, Janine. Thanks for having me. So great. My pleasure.